Welcome to Faster Please, the podcast. I'm your host, Jim Pethokoukas. Several times a month, I'll feature a lively conversation with a fascinating and provocative guest about how to make the world a better place through scientific discovery, technological innovation, and economic growth. You're also going to want to check out my Faster Please newsletter here on Substack throughout the week for fresh essays, Q&As, and stories from around the internet and around the world. I've many times written about the importance of the story we tell ourselves about the future, especially in big-budget science fiction films. But does all the doom and gloom from Hollywood even matter, really? And is it driven from creatives at the top or by audience demand? To discuss those questions and more, I'm talking with Sonny Bunch. Sonny is the culture editor for The Bulwark, where he hosts The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood newsletter and podcast. Sonny, welcome to Faster Please, the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, I write a lot about sort of negative, future pessimistic media. Netflix has a big new movie in the works, a $200 million film directed by the Russo brothers, who you may know from the Marvel movies, got Millie Bobby Brown, Chris Pratt, big production. It's called The Electric State. And this this is a summary of uh, of this film. A runaway teenager and her robot travel west through a strange USA. The the ruins of gigantic battle drones litter the countryside, heaped together with discarded trash of a high-tech consumerist society in decline. Uh, And then it goes on about our hollow core of civilization has finally caved in. And this might be a fantastic film. And uh, I have a lot of confidence in the Russo brothers and that budget. You know, here we are. We have a lot of interesting things cooking in the world from start, you know, yeah, the Musk rockets and, and AI and huge breakthroughs in biotechnology. And that's the movie they're giving us for $200 million about the decline of consumerist society. You've been writing a bit about this topic. Uh, I, where, where, when does it end? You know, it's it's interesting because what I, I I was thinking about this the other day. Really, what is the only truly utopian vision of the future? Right, it's Star Trek. That's about it. That's in terms of in terms of like mass um, popular entertainment. The only really truly utopian ideal of the future is Star Trek. Now, there's still conflict in Star Trek. There's you know whatever, but it's it, it is at least a like kind of post scarcity society where folks are you know interested in exploring the world and bettering everyone. I mean, I, I think, look, part part of this is it is easier to create tension and drama out of things that are bad. Um, and uh, what's what's the best, what's the easiest way to look at uh, how things might be bad? Look at what basically works about right now and say, well, what if this doesn't work? What if it's actually bad for us? Um, I, I mean, the idea of Netflix producing a uh, a stirring condemnation of consumerist society is kind of funny in and of itself. There's there is the Netflix is the absolute peak of consumerism. It's sit on your it's I mean, literally the mission statement of Netflix is sit on your couch and consume, consume so much you don't fall asleep. I mean, that, this is the. Right. The initial the initial argument for Netflix, the the one that the the one of the creators of the company made was we are we are trying to win the war against sleep. It's not they're not winning the war against sleep by like create by encouraging people to create wonderful new advancements of society. It's just to sit there and passively consume. Um, so it's it's kind of funny. Uh, I, I mean, I 
you know, look, I I like a good dystopian uh, action movie. I can I can I can watch those all day long. So I'm I'm probably as much of the problem as anything else. But it uh it's it's definitely a thing. And it just doesn't seem that hard to me to to have some sort of positive message, even if it's even if it's overall kind of a dystopian apocalyptic. Uh, I I just don't see there's like any attempt, or it's just full throated doom. Yeah. Well, I remember remember when Interstellar came out. Interstellar. I love the I love Interstellar. Great movie. Um, and it it is it is hopeful in a certain way, right? It's about it's about trying to find new places for Earth to live as it's on the the edge of. Um, collapse and you know when uh, when Matthew McConaughey's character comes back about a hundred years later uh, because of all the time dilation whatever uh, you know the humanity has um, has has moved up to the the space stations that are orbiting mm-hmm. and you know people have been saved and somebody and, and like it's it's a fairly as far as these things go it's actually a fairly positive message it's a it's a message except I I, I there was a there was an undercurrent from the from some critics who were like you know this means that like billions of people died, right? That like they you can't they they didn't save more than a handful of folks up on those space stations. Most most of humanity is is dead or dying. I was like, yeah, but they didn't they didn't focus on that. It's still it's still pretty positive. Would counter argue that one of the themes of the show is that of that movie is that at some point we sort of turned our back on 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 progress. It's like society be, has become anti technology. To me, that movie says if we had not abandoned sort of technological progress. Well, maybe this huge disaster, which is has befallen the earth, you know, maybe we could have fixed it, but now it's too late. Now we have no other choice but to head to the stars, which is something we probably should have been thinking about anyways, as he also yeah. uh, makes it. No, I think that's actually, I think a superficial viewing of that movie is that it is pessimistic. And I think you're right. I think fundamentally that is a sort of a future pro-progress of film. But you mentioned Star Trek at the beginning why why do you think hollywood sci-fi at least has become almost completely obsessed with the dystopian and apocalypse is it just that it's easy to make that kind of film or is it is it is it reflecting something in our society well i mean i i i don't know what 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 do what do we like to say everybody likes to think they're living in the end times everybody likes to think that they are important enough to see the end of the world right this is a this is a constant through human civilization everybody thinks that the end is just around the corner and they're the last generation that will see um, see the world. So I do think and and now we have the technology and the um, the filmmaking ability to actually realize that world. We have we have the ability to destroy the world on film. Um, uh, I mean, in real life, too, if somebody really wanted to get crazy, I guess. But, you know, it's much it's much easier and safer to do on film. And it is easier. Look, it's an easier story to tell. It's an easier story to portray because if you live in a post-apocalyptic society you know what there's a lot fewer of extras fewer extras you don't you don't have to fill stadiums full of people you don't have to have crowded streets with everybody walking around you just have somebody oh, got, you have empty streets and a little bit of trash and you have a you, got, you have a set you got empty streets you got a green this is the russo brothers they're doing it all on green and blue screens so i mean you just got a you just got millie bobby brown walking around uh, kicking over a trash can every now and again, and and it's and it's fine. Um, no, but I do think. I mean, look, I do think that there is something. There is there is an inherent uh, narcissism to all of this that you know we we have um, we have achieved the peak of civilization. What what's the line in the Matrix when uh, 
Agent Smith is talking about how they designed the Matrix, right? It's we took the peak of civilization. We took the peak of human civilization. But really, once we started thinking for you, it became our civilization. And that's what and and what did they pick? They picked 1999. when That movie came out. You know, the, the 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 that is like that is the constant refrain and all of this stuff. We are the peak. Things are about to go precipitously downhill. Enjoy it while while it lasts. Um, and I don't think look, I mean, you know, um, again, it's it is inherently dramatic in a certain way to imagine uh, having to come back from a fall uh, of a sort. But it is it is always it, the fact that it is so constant just leads me to believe that it really is quite silly. I mean, you mentioned Star Trek, but I would also say uh, a movie like The Martian, which I also view as a sort of a a positive pro-technology, pro-solutions that we can we can like solve problems. And to me, that's what's wrong with a lot of these other films. It's that we sort of end up not being able to solve any problems. Probably our attempts to solve the problems only make things worse. And that is, to me, a rare example of kind of a problem-solving movie that's plenty dramatic. There's no obvious villain uh, other than perhaps the planet Mars itself and, and, and space. And to me, it's just a, a fundamental lack of effort. And again, I don't know if it if it's it's easy. It's cheaper in some ways. It also just kind of reflects the views of the people who make the movies. But it's just shocking that there's not more made because we do have a few examples of being able to do it uh, properly. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. I, you know, I wrote a piece for, for The Washington Post a few years back about how environmentalists make good movie villains. Um, and and the reason that they make good movie villains is because this these are the people who the writers can really identify with. You know, if if the whole point of the whole idea of creating a realistic villain, if you want a realistic villain, is it's somebody you can identify with, somebody whose goals you sympathize with. Um, and uh, many of these villains. Uh, so, for instance, right, Thanos in the, the first run of MCU movies, right. um, you know, his whole thing is I uh, I lived through environmental collapse. Many people died. I it, it drove me insane. And I'm going to eliminate half of the universe to uh, so to avoid this problem again. Um which seems to you know defeat the purpose, but whatever. Uh, the 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 reason he is sympathetic to the the people who are writing these movies is that like they look around and they see oh global warming is happening it's here we're all gonna die uh, there's gonna be food collect crop collapses you know uh, the population bomb is going off we're all we're never we're never gonna make it um, and never mind that you know all this uh, no, none of this has come to pass in the in the 50 to 100 to a thousand years that we've been talking about it um it is still uh an ever-present terror and if you if you are a um i don't know if you're if you're a person of a certain worldview uh i can see why it would be uh appealing to try and work through it the martian is interesting too because the martian the martian is um the martian is uh kind of techno utopian in in the sense that it it posits a world in which all of the world's powers can work together, right? There's a, there's a very specific sl- subplot with China, which at the time was doing more um, uh, space space shuttle rocket exploration type stuff um, than than we were, uh, and uh, working working hand in hand with China to kind of make it make it all work out. I I I am one, I'm curious to see how that specific subplot would play 
today if that if that is a if that is a a thing that would be in the novel or the movie or if it would if it would not be uh the 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 relationship between the the nations might have been uh might have been portrayed a bit testier that movie came out i think just uh well the novel came out a bit earlier but certainly the film came out sort of just i think as things were starting to sort of uh turn well um, also i mean also just in terms of the business of hollywood it's an interesting movie because that is that's a movie that came out right when hollywood was really trying to make inroads into china was working hand in hand with china the chinese government to like get scripts script approval and make sure that their their films got a release there um and of course that i mean it is impossible it is impossible this is the one thing I, I I say over and over again to people. It is impossible to understand the artistry of Hollywood without understanding the business of Hollywood. You cannot you cannot understand why movies get made or how they get made or uh, how they're received by Hollywood without understanding what is actually happening in the business of Hollywood. Um, and and at that moment in time, China was a was a market ripe for for the plucking. Um, again, things have changed a bit in the last few years. I would be curious to see how that played now. If I were writing uh, a script and I'd wanted to have some sort of, you know, internal logic, uh, and I wrote that, okay, the 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 driving force for my villain is that he needs to kill half of every living being in the universe, so all of life doesn't consume all the resources. That idea would die immediately if I like brainstormed that idea. It wouldn't last thirty seconds. I'm like, well, that's obviously. I don't know. To me, it just sort of gets at sort of the, the ethos in Hollywood in which someone did say, uh, we need to come up with a better mo- motivation for the villain because that's ridiculous. Yeah, two two things here. I mean, one, uh, the it's it's very funny. The 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 original comic book motivation, well, I'm gonna put on my nerd hat here for a second. The original comic book motivation for Thanos actually weirdly makes more sense. He he just wants to kill half the universe to please his girlfriend, death, the manifestation of death. Like that's what he wants to do. And like I actually find that to be much more uh, sensical, sensible, I don't know, than uh, than what they wound up with. But the second thing is that this is this is my broad case for, you know, you, you, Hollywood should hire more conservative screenwriters, because <laughs> if you really want if you really want your villains to be uh, villainous and for the industry to kind of reflect your own beliefs, you need like oil you need like oil barons who aren't like cartoonishly mustache twirling but you need you need people who are out there like yes we're gonna frack because that's what's gonna power the hospital for the children to we're gonna this we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna build nuclear power plants and we're gonna dump the waste in this nature preserve because that's the only way to keep um uh the bread factory running for the orphans like things like that you know does any of this matter does it matter how we how we portray the future does it matter how we portray or perhaps in this case we don't really portray innovators or explorers is this something that's just confined to sort of our media consumption habits or does it have a bigger impact on on, on the world I mean obviously I think it does but I'm open to someone arguing that it doesn't I go back and forth on this question. Honestly, I really go back and forth on this because I do think there's a chicken and an egg issue here. I, I think that, you know, I think that the the art of a time reflects the sensibility of the time. Right. I do think that there is a I, I, I think that that is mostly how the cause and effect works. But I also do think that a society chooses 
how to live by the stories they tell themselves in a very real way. I mean, I think this is why myth is important. This is why, um, you know, your the the stories we tell children uh, matter. Um, I do think that I do think that the the art that we consume um, uh, does help shape how how we choose to live. So I like I don't I don't want to I, I don't want to mush mouth weasel my way out of this. But I do like <laughs> I do think there's I, I think it, I think it's I think it's a very open and interesting question. And I I it just depending on the day of the week, I can I could argue either side of it. I did an interview early on with my subject, Thrall D. Moore, who has this great series for all mankind. Uh, it shows a, a space race that never ends. It creates a really interesting alt sort of alt reality that while there are still problems, we're better off for continuing to to head into space. It, it just does. Again, it doesn't it doesn't seem that hard. And I asked him like I asked him some of the exact same questions I'm asking you. No, he's like, you know, it's, you know, it's economics, you know, they, you know, it's, you know, people think that makes money and until it stops making money, we're going to keep getting more of it. Uh, I, I would like to think that there'd be something more to it than that, that, that film studios, if they have the opportunity to make something that can make money, but also doesn't completely reflect some sort of cultural exhaustion that they would do it. But maybe I'm just too optimistic. Well, no, I mean, this gets back to my, I mean, I, this, this very much is, is my point with China, right? Is like, it's, it's what they think will, every, everything that Hollywood makes is based on the last thing before it that made money until none of that stuff is making money and right. then they have to find something else. So, I mean, I, you know, this is why you had a bunch You're of. still getting more zombie movies. Last of Us. I thought that was, had just about died out, but. No, The Last of Us, huge hit. 30, 30 yep. million people watching on HBO across yep. its various platforms. So we're we're going to get more of The Last of Us, more zombies. Walking Dead, 17 more spinoffs of that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Sonny, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me on.